Section two of Blackfeet Tales of Glacier National Park by James Willard Schultz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section two The Woman Who Earned a Man's Name As a girl her name was Weasel Woman. She was the eldest of two brothers and two sisters, and when she had seen fifteen winters, both their father and mother died but unlike children in such circumstances they did not give up their lodge and scatter out to live with relatives and friends said weasel woman somehow some way we can manage to live you boys are old enough to hunt and bring in meat and skins we three sisters will keep the lodge in good order and tan the skins for our clothing and bedding and other uses and as she said so it was done and the orphan family prospered but weasel woman was not satisfied many young men and many old and rich men wanted to marry her and to all she said no so loudly and so quickly that after a time all knew that she would not marry wherever a party of warriors gathered for a dance or a feast there she was looking on listening to their talk and giving what help she could and when a party returned from war she was loudest in praising them all she talked of all she thought about was war on an evening in her twentieth summer a large party of warriors started out to cross the mountains and raid the flatheads they travelled all night and when daylight came found that weasel woman was with them go back go home the war chief told her but she would not listen if you will not let me go with you i shall follow you she said and then spoke up the medicine man of the party chief said he i advise you to allow her to go with us something tells me that she will bring us good luck ah as you advise me so shall it be said the war chief and the woman went on with them no man of that party teased her nor bothered her in any way every one of them treated her as they would a sister it was the strangest war party that ever set forth from any tribe of the plains it was at the edge of flathead lake that they discovered the enemy a large camp of the flatheads and their friends the pendore when night came they went close up to it and the woman said to the war chief let me go in first let me see what i can do i feel that i shall be successful in there go the chief said to her and we will wait for you here and be ready to help you if you get into trouble the woman went into camp where all the best horses of the people their fast buffalo hunters their racers and their stallions were picketed close to the lodges of the different owners of them if she was afraid of being discovered and killed she never admitted it the dying moon gave light enough for her to see the size and color of the horses she took her time and went around among them and making her choice cut the ropes of three fine pinto horses and led them out to where the party awaited her there she tied them and went back into camp with the chief and his men and again came out with three horses said she then i have taken enough for this time i will await you here and take care of what we have the men went back several times and then having all the horses that they could drive rapidly the party struck for the mountains and in several days time 
arrived home without the loss of a man or a horse. A few days after the party came into camp, the medicine lodge was put up, and on the day that the warriors counted their coup, and new names were given them, an old warrior and medicine man named Weasel Woman before the people, and had her count her coup, of going twice into the enemy's camp and taking six horses. All shouted approval of that, and then the medicine man gave her the name Pitak Mikan, a very great one, that of a chief whose shadow had some time before gone on to the sand hills. After that, Pitamakan, as we now may call her, did not have to sneak after a party in order to go to war with them. She was asked to go. And after two or three more successful raids against different enemies, the Crows, the Sioux, and the Flatheads, she herself became a war chief, and warriors begged to be allowed to join her parties, because they believed that where she led nothing but good luck would come to them. She now wore men's clothing when on a raid. At home she wore her woman clothing. But even in that dress she, like any man, gave feasts and dances, and the greatest chiefs and warriors came to them and were glad to be there. On her sixth raid, Pitamakan led a large war-party against the Flatheads, and somewhere on the other side of the mountains fell in with a war-party of Bloods, one of our brother-tribes of the north. For several days the two parties travelled along together, and then one evening the blood chief, Falling Bear, said to Pitamakan's servant, Go tell your chief woman that I would like to marry her. Chief, you do not understand, the boy told him. She is not that kind. Men are her brothers, and nothing more. She will never marry. I cannot give her your message, for I am afraid that she would be angry with me for carrying it to her. On the next day, as they were travelling along, the blood chief said to Pitamakan, I have never loved, but I love now. I love you. My heart is all yours. Let us marry. I will not say yes to that, nor will I say no, the woman chief answered him. I will consider what you ask, and give you an answer after we make this raid. And with that the blood chief said no more but felt encouraged. He thought that in time she would agree to become his woman. That very evening the scouts ahead discovered a large camp of Flathead and Kootenai Indians, more than a hundred lodges of them, and when night came both parties drew close into it. Pitamakan then ordered her followers to remain where they were, and told the blood chief to say the same thing to his men. She then told the blood chief to go into the camp and take horses, and he went in and returned with one horse. It is now my turn, said Pitamakan, and she went in and brought out two horses. The blood chief went in and brought out two horses. Pitamakan went in and brought out four horses. The blood chief went in and brought out two horses. Pitamakan went in and brought out one horse. And then she said to the blood chief, Our men are becoming impatient to go in there and take horses. We will each of us go in once more, and then let them do what they can. So the blood chief went in for the fourth and last time, and then came back leading four horses, making nine in all. And then Pitamakan went in and cut the ropes of eight horses, and safely led them out, making in all fifteen that she had taken. 
The warriors then went in, making several trips, and then, with all the horses that could be easily driven, the big double party headed for home. On the next day, as Pitamakan and the blood chief were riding together, he said to her, I love you so much that I can wait no longer for my answer. Give it to me now. I believe that you are going to say yes. I will be your woman. Said Pitamakan, I gave you your chance. It would have been yes had you taken more horses than I did from the camp of the enemy. But I took the most. Therefore I cannot marry you. That was her way of getting around saying no to the chief. She had beaten him, an old experienced warrior, in the taking of the enemy's horses, and he could not ask her again to become his woman. It is said that he felt very badly about it all. Potomacan now carried a gun when she went to war, and used it well in several fights with the enemy, counting in all three coups, each one of them the taking of a gun from the man she herself killed. And then, Aya! On her ninth raid she led a party against the Flatheads, and while she and all her men were in the camp, choosing horses and cutting their ropes, the Flatheads discovered them and began firing, and she and five of her men were killed. And so passed Potomacan, virgin and brave woman chief of our people. She died young, about seventy winters ago. Okan, his vision, is the name the Blackfeet have for the great lodge which they annually give to the sun, and for the four days of ceremonies attending its erection and consecration. In our vernacular it is the Medicine Lodge. I asked Yellow Wolf this afternoon why this river was called Natokiokan, or, as we say, to Medicine Lodge River and he replied that when the Blackfeet first took this great country from the Crows, they built a medicine lodge on the river, just below the Buffalo Cliffs. The next summer they built another one in the same place, and owing to that the river got its name. Yes, this was once the country of the Crows, but the Blackfeet saw and coveted it. It was about two hundred years ago, as near as I can learn, that they came into it from their original home, the region of Peace River and the Slave Lakes, and little by little forced the crows southward until they had driven them to the south side of the Yellowstone, or Elk River, as it is known to the various Indian tribes of the plains. Perhaps in the first place the Blackfeet coveted more than anything else the cliffs on the Two Medicine, just above Holy Family Mission, where the buffalo were decoyed in great numbers and stampeded in a huge waterfall of whirling brown bodies to death on the rocks below. The Blackfeet call such a place, there were several of them, a piskan, a trap. Extending back from the cliff for a mile or more out on the plain were two ever-diverging lines of rock piles, like a huge letter V. Behind these the people concealed themselves, and the buffalo-caller, going out beyond the mouth of the V, by certain antics and motions, aroused the curiosity of the herd, until it finally followed him into the V. Then the people began to rise up behind it, and the result was that, unable to turn either to the right or left, from fear of the two lines of shouting, robe-waving stampeders, it was driven straight to the cliff and over it. 
when i first saw the place there were at the foot of the cliffs tons and tons of buffalo horn tips the most time-resisting of any portion of a buffalo's anatomy last night while the pipe was going the rounds i asked what had become of old red eagle's thunder medicine pipe and was told that it was still in the tribe old person at present being the owner of it said two guns that is one of the most ancient and most powerful medicines we have do you know how it came into our possession end of section two